0: And uh, what a delight and an honor to join this illustrious crew and the people I'm about to produce on this stage. It is a thrill to be showing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny for the first time to you guys. I can't wait for you to see it. This is a movie, as they all have been, made of love, love of Golden Age films, love of serials, love of cinema, love of this character in all his wonderful contradictions, love of science, and also just love of filmmaking. And I have to say, in the briefest possible way, that my experience making this movie welcomed into this wonderful crew, and the people I'm about to introduce has been one of the most moving experiences of my life. Um, I got to work with my heroes. Um, how many people
1: get to do that in their lives? And it's one of the great honors of mine.
2: Okay, one last thing. There are three indispensable people without whom none of us would be here tonight. And that starts with the person who created Indiana Jones, George Lucas. The person who is Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. And the person who is the glue to all five of these films, that gave us all of our rhythm and all of our melody, the great maestro, John Williams.
0: And students at Marshall College, welcome to episode number three hundred and sixty-four of Blast Points. This is Jason, and this is Gabe, and we're finally here. It's the Dial of Destiny episode, the episode we've all been waiting for. It's the final installment of Indie Month, but you know we're we're saying before we start recording, this this is not the last time we're going to talk about indie. No, that's if anything we've learned about Indie Month and Indie Year is. The more you try to find everything, the more you find and the more there is to do. So, yeah, it's it's never going to end. So, yeah, later in this episode, it's very exciting. We are finally going to be going in-depth into The Dial of Destiny, which, as you are listening to this now, is finally out. It is in theaters. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you have seen it already because we are going to be getting into the nitty-gritty all the chunky bits of The Dial of Destiny, so this is your spoiler warning. Yeah, if you haven't watched the movie yet, you can save this. You can save this until you watch the movie and then come back. We'll still be here. <laughs> <laughs> just just hit pause on whatever you're listening to and just pick it up when you're done. Listen to it while you're driving home from the movie. Why, well, you know, why not? But before we get into The Dial of Destiny, we've got to talk about, as promised crazy 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 thing we did a couple weeks ago the red carpet premiere of indiana jones and the dial of destiny in los angeles california possibly the the wildest and strangest 24 plus hours in our entire lives it still doesn't really seem like it really happened like i'm glad you wrote down notes of what we did because it's like reading somebody else's life it's almost like looking at photos too from it, where it's just like that—that yeah, that really happened. We all, the, oh, it was real. It was like the Wizard of Oz. It was like, and you were there, and you were there. Well, and it's so good that there were other people there, or we wouldn't believe it was real. No, no. <laughs> like, did did you hit your head? Did you slip in the bathtub? Because I think I slipped in the bathtub. I had a crazy dream. I woke up asleep on the bathroom floor. I had a dream. I was in Los Angeles. People were cooking sausages on the street, and it smelled like <laughs> yeah. weed. No, Jason, that really happened. <laughs> I think when we were there, y- you said it really well. Well, the whole experience felt like four days of Star Wars celebration crushed up, and we snorted it. <laughs> yeah. It was like everything you feel and go through during the four days of a Star Wars celebration, but just... Focused in a raw 25-hour mad rush. Ultra concentrated. Like if you get those cans of – to make orange juice, like the can from the freezer. And instead of like mixing it with the water, right, you're just like chugging it out of that frozen can. (laughs) (laughs) It tastes so sweet. It's so cold. It burns. That that was – yeah, that was that day. It's really – it really was. It really, really was. It was just so – yeah. Okay, so I got up. At 3 a.m. on that Wednesday to get a ride. My ride was picking me up to the airport at 4 in the morning. I thought I was being really slick. And I was like at about 10.30 at night that Tuesday night. I was like, I think I can do it. I think I can like go to sleep and like get like a normal amount of sleep. Normal-ish. Enough of sleep so I won't feel like I want to die going into Wednesday. I did not. I maybe slept for two hours. I couldn't, it was all like humid and I think like nerves were getting to me. I couldn't get to sleep. I'm like, well, I'm I'm screwed. This is what's going on. I'm I'm probably gonna die. Woke up at three, got picked up, went to the airport, left, went to Chicago, met you. How was your did you get enough sleep going into Wednesday? No, but I got more than you. So that was always <laughs> like, well, at least I slept more than Jason did. Cause yeah, I'm lucky you had to fly west to meet me. So I had a couple more hours on you. Cause I remember waking up, oh man, was it like at five? It was really, it was pretty early. And there was like a text from you f- from like an hour previous where you're like, you were already at the airport and like about to get on the plane. And like I was just getting out of bed. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah, got up early, but not super early compared to you. And drove to the airport and it worked out you were you kind of landed I think right around after I got to the airport yeah and then what we got on the plane we went to was from Chicago to LA I think we, we were driving the people next to us on the plane probably crazy because we couldn't stop talking about RoboCop and Predator for some reason for for four hours <laughs> We're talking about RoboCop, like nonstop. Either how good is RoboCop? Why is RoboCop so good? Why didn't I see RoboCop in the theater? You saw RoboCop in the theater. What was going on? Where was I? Me trying to remember the summer of 1987. And at one point, yeah, the people in front of us turned around and looked at us like, hmm They were, like, reading religious stuff on the plane. I think we were kind of – we might have been getting loud. I can't remember. Or it was because uh, the guy in front of us had, like, a a shoulder bag or something that was, like, peeking out out from behind his seat, and and we could see, like, a little bag of Funyuns in there, and we – we kept wanting to eat his bag of onions. We didn't, but we thought it. We kept thinking about it. We were talking about if we had like scissors and like pliers and slowly take each onion out one by one. I mean, if you're talking about Robocop on an airplane for two hours, you need to eat onions. It's just how it is. We were maybe like an hour or so away from Los Angeles and you were talking to me and I literally was starting to fall asleep. And I was like, Gabe, I. I've just gotta, i just got to, I just got to sleep really quick. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I fell asleep for maybe like a half hour. You fell asleep for the same amount. Cause when we woke up, it was like when we were starting to land, which was kind of genius. Yeah. And yeah, I have no idea if we slept for five minutes or 30 minutes, but it felt like a lifetime and we were somewhat refreshed when we landed. So then we land in LA Yeah. So we're in L.A. We go out. We got to get an Uber to the hotel. It's surprisingly cold in L.A. For some reason, it was like Chicago weather. There was no fun in the sun this trip. Uh, And we were waiting for our Uber. Our Uber driver picks us up and it was a very, very interesting (laughs) Uber ride that kind of set the tone uh, for the rest of the day. Yeah, he immediately almost hit a guy on a bicycle. That was that was interesting. Uh, and then he talked to us about yeah how he almost hit the guy on the bicycle. Uh, he was he was zigzagging through traffic. It was it was pretty wild. He was very chatty and he had very loud music playing, so we really couldn't hear anything. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, he was really concerned that we were only spending one day, and we had to spend more time. And we were like, "Well, we're going to this movie premiere, that so you know. yeah." And he's like, "Are you going to San Diego?" We're like, "No, not not this time. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time to go to San Diego, too." So we we finally get to the hotel. We're at the beautiful, bizarre, and beautiful Roosevelt Hotel, right down. By Hollywood Boulevard, we meet up with Brandon from Talking Bay ninety four, um, his wife Maggie, our friend Savannah, Tori, some other folks at the hotel. That was great, all catching up. Everyone's all giddy. It's like, oh my god, we're all here! Huh? And they were starting to set up for the Dial of Destiny after party while we were talking to them at the hotel, and we just saw like fake crates and fake boxes and stuff being moved in and like adventure things like nets and vines and stuff. And we we're like, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it was starting to, to get real at that point. Like, Oh, okay. This is really happening. We're, we really are at the right place. And there's a pretty good chance in a, in a couple hours that we're going to be at the red carpet premiere and get to see dial of destiny. But for now, we're just happy enough to yeah to see some crates in a big like cardboard dial of destiny. Oh yeah, they wheeled in the yeah the, the giant cardboard dial and we were like ooh. <laughs> so we're also at this period of time we we're starving, starving, hungry because like my time right now, like Michigan time, it's like five o'clock. It's like dinner time. Yeah, you'd you'd been up like a whole day at that point and hadn't eaten anything. No, I think when we had we had like a granola bar on the plane. I think when I landed in Chicago, I was like, I'm kind of hungry, and you were like, I've got this like this dipped granola bar, and I was like, Yeah, it's chewy and crunchy at the same time. <laughs> That's all I had. So I was like, It's great to see everybody, but I'm kind of starving. That 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 might have been another reason we were eyeing that guy's funyun so much since we were secretly starving so then we walked down to the hollywood in and out which was super close which was awesome and freaked out ate a ton of food it was delicious it was wonderful we we were it was like are two burgers enough and we're like no we we need three burgers each (laughs) i had oh i only had two we know. Well, it was a okay. We technically had two, but it was a, a double cheeseburger, and then we had to we had to have the single cheeseburger for for dessert, basically, just to, just to top just to top us off. Technically, it was three burgers, but it was two separate. Yeah, I get Okay. Yeah, I was so hungry, but literally, I ate it, and I could feel life coming back to my body as I ate it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the the world was in was in black and white, and after those burgers, it was in color again. Then we had some food in us we were we got some energy back we were like okay let's go down to where the premiere actually is going to be let's scope out the area cuz I think like when we had talked to like Brandon and people maybe I'm wrong but we they they hadn't been down there yet and we we're like we're going to go down and take a look at everything so we go just literally walk up the street and turn right and as soon as you walked up the street from in and out and go past our hotel it's like oh my god the whole like the street was closed And it was all Indiana Jones red carpet, like across from the Dolby Theater. And we're just like, holy crap. Yeah. And this was kind of overwhelming because it's like I had never been I'd been to L.A. multiple times, but I'd never actually been down to Hollywood. And with the premiere kind of having the street closed off and just being distracted by all the, you know, the giant signs of with pictures of all the characters and all that stuff like it took a while to sink in that oh this is hollywood boulevard too and it's like there's the walk of fame and the and all the famous theaters and and all this stuff that i don't even think i noticed it for like 20 minutes because i was distracted by all the indie stuff and it yeah it was a really surreal feeling because like we were walking like across the street like you know with yeah with the walk of fame and all the stars on the street and everything and we were like looking over there at all the giant indiana jones signs everywhere and there's people working everywhere and just thinking like wait we're going to that we're doing that later what in the world is this and I, was, I know and and also though thinking like are they really gonna let us in <laughs> They, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna check something and figure it out Did the background check not go through yet like are they they're gonna come to their senses so no, we we changed our mind you don't really need to be here we we listened to some of the episodes we you know we listened to the human java episode and while we were entertained we decided no we're not so sure anymore and just Hollywood Boulevard is just bizarre. Like we said, there's just, just smells like weed every, everywhere you go. And then like people cooking sausages on the street and people doing like weird sculptures of faces on the street. Yeah. It's just like super, super touristy, but also so much weed smell. <laughs> it's just some weird juxtaposition of, you know, yeah, families getting caricatures drawn of themselves, someone in a, spider-man costume that's too small dancing for tips and like that would that's you know surreal enough on its own without a a, an indiana jones premiere in the middle of it you walk past a store and all they're selling is heavy metal t-shirts and bongs (laughs) like intricate glass bongs and metallica t-shirts it's like what what's the market for this yeah yeah old old judas priest (laughs) t-shirts You you look to the right, you see that. You look to the left, and there's a giant picture of Antonio Banderas as a as a ship captain. (laughs) What's going on? So then, like, we cross the street. We're like, okay, let's go to like where the premiere is actually going to be. Because also at this time, we're kind of wondering, like, well, how do like when the time comes and we have to get in here, where do we have to go? Because we don't want to be wandering around, lost, and everything. So we kind of see where we're going to go in. But also at this time, we see the costume group like waiting to get in like the people that are doing the cosplay that are going to be in the front of the line and literally, yeah, we turn the corner and it's like 36 to 50 Indiana Joneses all standing there. Yeah. Any, anything that felt strange or surreal up to this point just kicked into overdrive. As soon as we, yeah, we turned the corner and I've never seen so many Indiana Joneses in my life, all shapes and sizes, any, any, style of indiana jones you can imagine they're all there they're all talking to each other and it's just like where where are we jason what just happened <laughs> <laughs> i am just like this is the craziest thing i've ever seen and yeah there's there's the there's like Marions, and there's like a dr Elsha schneider from the tank chase from last crusade and there's like three four short rounds talking to each other <laughs> and then there is one perfect mutt there's one mutt walking around the, the star of the show with the gloves in his back pocket and everything. I was so excited to see him. I was like, oh, my God. Come on! And he he was so excited that I was excited. <laughs> his eyes just he looked so sad. And then, yeah, when we walked up to him, his eyes just lit up and it was like, yes, it was all worth it. This one guy is so excited. I'm mut. <laughs> oh so yeah it was we were like taking pictures with everybody and it was just surreal like this is literally the craziest thing in the world and there was like tourists taking pictures i'm like this is nuts and yeah all the indies are like talking to talking shop with each other like comparing their jackets and stuff and i'm like this is crazy so then what we keep walking and we check out like the the chinese theater and all the like footprints and handprints in front of the Chinese theater. And that was, that was really actually pretty neat. Yeah. Especially since I had totally forgotten that that was even there until we walked by. And I almost want to say we, I feel like we walked by once and didn't even realize we missed it. And then we went back because it was like, oh yeah, this is right here. There's R2-D2's footprints. Like what? (laughs) Ordinarily that would be enough. We would be flipping out over that, but with just everything else, like we didn't even, we almost missed it. Like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas's handprints and footprints from 1984. Yeah. George Lucas's tiny little footprints. They, just, they dropped them in there like when they did R2-D2. They just picked them up and lowered them. Yeah. Then we were like, okay, let's go back to the hotel. Let's check in on everybody. And we're like, we should probably get some coffee, some really strong coffee, because we have a long way to go. So we get back to the hotel again. This is the first time we went down by the pool. It's just ridiculous. There's like palm trees everywhere. It's gorgeous. And we go in. We like find the coffee place, which is out back behind the pool. And we walk into the coffee place, and there, at a table with a group of other people, is Sawa, John Reese Davies. And literally, we w- we walk in and immediately walk back out. And and yeah, at that point, we're like to do we, do we go back in there? Cause part of it is like, we're trying to, we're trying to keep it cool. We're kind we're trying to stay, you know, kind of low key here, but Jason's wearing like the most obnoxious Indiana Jones t-shirt that just says Indiana Jones in like neon orange writing just huge across his chest. And it's like, I don't know if we can like be on the, on the DL and go in there and, 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 and have John Reese davies not know why we're at the hotel. But we needed, we needed coffee really bad. So we just did it. We went in. We tried to stay cool. We walked up to the counter. We like walked up to the counter like we were pretending to be human beings. We were like, yes, so I would like a coffee, please. <laughs> right, right, right. It was like we were aliens that inhabited human bodies and were like, act, act human. Move left arm. Move right arm. Move left leg. Move right leg. Good evening, sir, at Coffee Place. We would like warm beverage. <laughs> I remember the poor coffee guy, too, was looking at us as was just like, what the hell is the matter with you guys? But he saw your shirt and he saw us trying not to laugh, so he knew... <laughs> He yeah. knew <laughs> what was going on. He kept smiling at us. Oh, man. So, yeah, that was funny, too. I forgot when we checked into the hotel, the, there was a guy that like got the door for us, and he was just like, have fun at the premiere. And I was like, what gave it away? This shirt? This <laughs> <Yeah>. obnoxious shirt? <laughs> so, yeah, we didn't say anything to Sawa because he was like with a group of people, and they were having like a serious conversation about the business or whatever. But when, when we left... I looked at him when we walked out and he looked at me and we exchanged, we exchanged a little nod. So it's just like, that's, that's good enough. I don't want to bother. I don't want to bother him. Be like, can I get a photo with you? You know? So yeah, he was, he was trying to eat lunch. We, we know what that's like. We were, we were so hungry just an hour before that. So we're like, we, we, we know how you're feeling. You just want to eat. Oh, and I forgot too, before <laughs> we went to the coffee place, we ran into Kristen Baver. Yeah. That's just how that day was. <laughs> there was just so much going on that we almost forgot. Yeah. Because we literally just walked by the restaurant and she almost like ran into us because she was leaving the restaurant. Yeah. The wonderful, wonderful Chris and Baver. Just the nicest, sweetest person in the world. Just wonderful. Superstar. Working hard on the red carpet, talking to everybody. Talking to everybody and talking to Blast Points, you know. So that's, you know. Yeah, from the top of the heap to the bottom of the barrel. She talks to she talks to them all from Harrison Ford, Kathleen Kennedy to Blast Points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then we're like, we get our coffee and then we're just like, let's go back down again. Let's see what's, let's, let's check in on all the indies because everyone else was like getting ready and doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, so we're like, well, screw it. Let's just go back down. We check on the the indies and when we go back again in the time it took us to like go back get coffee have an awkward encounter with sala and chris and a wonderful encounter with chris and baver there's even more indies like the the indie population has like multiplied yeah it's like somebody threw a bunch of indies in the pool and gremlins and then we come back and there's like so many indies (laughs) they're just Popping out of each other and growing new indies. So by this time, we heard that, okay, so we're going to probably get to the theater at about five o'clock. And at about four o'clock, everyone's going to meet down by the pool and kind of hang out. All the different like podcasts and stuff that were invited, everyone's going to meet up. So we're like, okay, by this time, we, we better get back and we should like put on our fancy clothes. So we do all that. And then we meet even more people by the pool. We meet, uh, Gustavo from Triad of the Force and Sky Talkers are there. And Candace from Geek- Geeky Waffle, our friend Brittany. Everyone's hanging out by the pool. It's there was it was, again, it had it's serious celebration vibes. It was, yeah, very much a Star Wars celebration feel, but crammed into one intense, condensed day. And this is like what we're not even, what, a third of the way through the day at this point, maybe? Maybe we're getting close to the halfway point we haven't seen the movie yet i think at this point we're we were talking about too like wait a second this day has been insane and we haven't even seen the movie yet it's just gonna get crazier Well, and a lot of the talk when we were down there by the pool was just like who's gonna be there is do you think george lucas is gonna go like somebody saw steven spielberg at like an airport nearby and everyone's like
2: ooh, <laughs> yeah
0: right so then it's like, it's like five o'clock and it's like, do we leave at five or do we leave at like a little after five? And then finally somebody is just like, okay, let's go, let's go. We're going, we're going. It's like, okay, okay, everybody, we're going. And we all walked down there in one big group, which was awesome. And yeah, this was really surreal because then you get in there and yeah, the, we like checked in and we got our badges and we went through security and all that. And then we're like on the red carpet. And it's like, so what what do we do now? (laughs) What is this? Yeah, I guess we just keep walking. (laughs) Literally, it's like the only thing I could like compare it to is like if you're a little kid and you walk into Disney World for the first time or something, where you're just like, "What? What what is? What? what, Huh?" Well, and what was extra surreal, I think, was the fact that we walked in as a big group, and as kind of as soon as we got a little bit onto the carpet, everybody was gone. (laughs) <laughs> right. And it was kind of like, wait a second. Wasn't there a big group of us? Where is everybody? Which just made it even even feel stranger, because it's like all of a sudden it's like just you and I and we're looking around at, at everything. And it's like everybody disappeared and, and we're here. We are. It's like What is even happening? So we go through and then at, somehow we ended up at the end. And at the end, there's like all the costumes and there's the prop. There's like the actual Dial of Destiny from the movie. And that was really neat. We got to talk to Clayton Sandell, who's a sweetheart. And then Brandon comes through and he's like, you guys got to come back down like the small part of the carpet, like the actual like walk, not like this little holding down at the end where we were looking at stuff and chatting with people. And so we go back into the small part and immediately (laughs) what he's just like, I'm going to introduce you guys to John Knoll. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of where, things get a bit sammy hagar if if that makes any sense yeah things kind of went off the rails here because yeah i think we were like oh let's just go back in the carpet i think you know maybe some people are coming that we didn't that we didn't get to see and then yeah brandon kind of like there's john noel i'm going to introduce you <laughs> like what okay <laughs> it all happened pretty quick there's john noel and Brandon's like, oh, this is Jason Gay from Blast Points. And John Knoll kind of, maybe he was pretending like he knew who he was. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, and you got to think, you know, we're used to each other. But if you're like a normal sized person and all of a sudden someone like throws the two of us in front of them, because he's like looking up at these two mutant people who are like, (laughs) obviously nervous. He's just kind of smiling. Like, what is what is going on? But like John Noll's wife immediately started laughing. I yeah. think she got it right away. She she saw right through us. Yeah. She's used to grown men who can't keep their composure talking to John Noll. It happens, I'm sure it happens every day. I'm like, well, you know, I start freaking out talking about Ann Arbor. And I was like, you talked about Ann Arbor, Light and Magic, Briarwood Mall. Like, my wife works at Briarwood Mall. You in Light and Magic, you said Briarwood Mall. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> And then eventually I was just like in my head, I was like, You gotta wrap this up. And I was just, and I was like, I just I love what you do at ILM. I'm a big fan of everything you do. And he's like, Okay, thank you. And then meanwhile, his his wife is just like almost like bent over laughing. We 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 were a little nervous that we that we freaked him out, but his wife seemed to be really enjoying it, so we we think it went it went okay. That's <laughs> like I think maybe I freaked him out, but I think I don't I don't you know I think I make I think it was worse in my head than it was in reality. Yeah, I, and again, you know, he's John Noel. I'm sure you know this happens every day. He's a, he's a he's a superstar. But I looked I looked right into his eyes and I felt the power. <laughs> you got, <laughs> you were like way smarter for like twenty minutes until it wore off. <laughs> But, you know, I shook John Knoll's hand, he, you know, he's, he's a literal wizard. He's like a hero. And I was like, you know what? I'm good right there. It's true. We we could have just kept walking the opposite direction, like right out of the red carpet and just like into the ocean. And, and we would have been, <laughs> we would have been happy. It would have been worth it. He was great. Yeah. And then what we said something like, when he was walking away, I was like, I just think you're great. And his wife was like, I do, too. And I was like, you're great, too. <laughs> yeah, that's, I forgot about that. Uh, and also, Brandon's laughing the whole time, too. He's just like, what is going on, you guys? Yeah. So so it was kind of after that, it got real rapid fire because it was like, oh, my God, look, there's Harrison Ford. And he's like off in the distance talking to reporters. Well, and, and then, you know, it's like, oh, it's Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, wow. And then it's like, wait there's Kathleen Kennedy. And then it was like, Oh no, it's her sister. Her sister's here. <laughs> the twin. Like they're both here. This is insane. It was really weird. Cause Kathleen Kennedy's twin sister was right in front of us and like looked at us several times. And I was just like, it's Kathleen Kennedy's twin sister. Yeah. Or is it Kathleen Kennedy pretending to be her twin sister? So her twin sister can pretend to be Kathleen Kennedy. We, we don't know. <laughs> that's really weird and then yeah then it's like there's maybe the real kathleen kennedy with frank marshall and it's like oh my god it's dr fantasy oh my god and they're like talking to reporters and there's Chris and baver talking to kathleen kennedy and we're like we were just talking to her and then yeah harrison ford and then yeah we get word like hey guys spielberg is coming and i swear just like after i read that text and i say like oh my god spielberg's coming i look i turn to my left and walking towards me down the red carpet is steven spielberg like waving at people and it was just like oh my god steven spielberg he he is here he really was at the airport and now he's like six feet away from us what is what is happening <laughs> <laughs> there's that there was a video like that the the official channel is star wars or indiana jones or lucasfilm whatever they probably all posted it where there's one part in it where you see steven spielberg walking down the red carpet and you just see like me and you like trailing him and that's literally what was happening because he was walking and we we're just like we we, we follow you now is he if he goes faster we go faster if he goes slower we go slower <laughs> So he he's about to walk into the theater, right? And he is so close to me. He's literally like maybe 3 2 feet from me and I just and I I freaked out. I blurted out Mr. Spielberg, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Did he acknowledge that at all? I you know, that's that's every day for him, I'm sure. There's always people yelling that they love him. Uh, yeah, he you, know, you know, he's a pro. He just kept on walking. He might have gave you a look, though. I think he gave you a look. I think he did give me a look. And I think he kind of like a smile and a look. But I I kind of blacked out. I was freaked. Because it's like, that's the thing. I was talking about it later that night. Like, we we're goofing. We we're freaking out. But it's like, you, you think that Steven Spielberg, like, who, where would, uh, seriously, i be without his movies growing up. Like, not to mention, you know, the Indiana Jones movies, obviously, but like, E.T. And then... I I go see every Steven Spielberg movie in the movie theater. Even ones that I don't particularly want to go see, I go see them because they're Steven Spielberg. I saw War Horse in the theater. I saw The Post. I saw Bridge of Spies. Like, Yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of a big deal to see Spielberg. I, You know, he, he's my favorite director in the world and means so much to me. And it was like, yeah, there he is. You know, like that. What? What a. What an incredible opportunity. So, but that's not it. That's not even right. Like it just it just keeps going because we're like recovering from that. It's like oh my god, we just saw Spielberg. I think we're gonna die. I think we were saying to each other, okay, we should probably go in at this point, and then we get word, guys, don't leave. Look who's coming, and it's a photo of George Lucas yeah it's like the uh it's like we're in crystal skull and indy's running around the the fake town and then the uh the alarm starts going off because you know the bomb's gonna drop <laughs> and and we're like running around where where are we what's going on what lucas is really here melody's here they're here together they're literally minutes away from from walking down the carpet and, they, and then we start to see them coming and it's george lucas it's yeah it's melody Hobson and at one point i'm with a, with a group of other people and we're we're just taking pictures of george lucas that's all anyone's doing and george lucas looks right at me i freaked out i like looked away i was like no 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 you you can't see me <laughs> that's that's too much no, don't look at me <laughs> i can only look at you through a mirror it's the only way to be safe <laughs> don't you cannot acknowledge me that is not i will burst into flames and explode don't do it <laughs> Keep your eyes shut. (laughs) Whatever whatever happens, don't open your eyes. But yeah, then we see uh, him and Melody like going down the red carpet. We see yeah Lucas talking to Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall, and it's just like wow, it's so good. And Lucas just looks miserable. It's so awesome. But I think he was having a good time. Yeah, no, I think he was too. But it was just like he looked so miserable. But you know, he was having fun because people were going nuts. And yeah, at that point, we're like, how how is this? is this really real? Are we dead? Have we been dead? Like did the plane crash? And we're like, <laughs> it's all, it's all a dream. Cause this is insane. And we, and we still haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> and at this point somehow it's just the two of us and Brandon are like the only people that are left. Maggie was like around, like hovering around, but really it was just like us and Brandon. And we all are just like sweaty. And cause they, like the sun had come out and we're just like, occasionally bumping into each other and like exchanging brief grunts of words and stuff. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's how uh, amazing the day was. It was like, it was like the matrix. Cause it was like cloudy all day. And then by the time Spielberg and Lucas came out, the sun came out, it's like, Oh, that was for Neo. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so he could see Lucas with the golden light of the late afternoon sun. At this point we're like, okay, let, let's go in, let's go into the theater And so then it was bizarre. There was like this red like tunnel that took us up to the theater. And then you go up these stairs at the Dolby theater where the Oscars are. No big deal. And there's popcorn and there's pop and there's water. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we got a few minutes to catch our breath here before the movie. Maybe we should go to the bathroom. Yes, definitely go to the bathroom and walk in the bathroom and no joke, every stall, every urinal, every sink in the bathroom is an Indiana Jones. <laughs> not, not, we're not exaggerating. <laughs> it's so like, cool what is happening (laughs) i don't even know if i can go now because i'm surrounded by indiana joneses you walk into the men's room and it's a bunch of leather jackets and satchels and fedoras everywhere like literally gabe and i are like the only people in this bathroom not dressed like indiana jones so ridiculous i wanted to take a picture but that would be weird you just take our word for it it really happened (laughs) so then like we're, we're at this point, also, we're like jazzed. We're like, you know, like we're just like, oh my God, we're doing it. We're doing that. And we, <laughs> so we go and we sit down in the, we all had like reserved seats. Uh, I'm sitting next to this guy, Ed from the IndyCast podcast, who came in from Australia, sweetest guy in the world. And we're sitting there and like not too long after we sat down. Like, out comes Spielberg and Lucas and Kennedy and Marshall. And don't forget, before that, we're just kind of sitting there chilling out, looking around in, like, what, three rows in front of us? Michael Giacchino's there, just hanging out. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I almost (laughs) forgot. Yeah, no big deal. He's just hanging out, waiting for the movie to start, because he wants to watch the movie. Yeah, just, like, two rows in front of us, Michael Guacamole, and just, like, in a baseball hat and a shirt. And we're like, oh, my God, that's, like michael jacchino like one of the greatest composers working today he's just here chilling out just the guy who wrote probably the best star wars score other than john williams and the, i sing the krennic theme every morning when i get up <laughs> as i'm brushing my teeth <laughs> and there he is just hanging out just right in front of us there yeah just surreal just absolutely surreal Yeah, we didn't even mention too that James Mangold was walking the red carpet. James Mangold was everywhere on the red carpet. Like he never left. He was having the time of his life. That's true. Yeah, I think there's probably other people. Well, I mean, there was the rest of the cast. Phoebe Waller Bridge was there, the giant dude, the the guy in the movie that has a mustache. Like they were all there. The kid. Yeah. The people we don't yeah, listen, we can't remember everybody's names, but Yeah, the whole cast was going around. We, we, uh, we can't even remember each other's names. No, we, we've just we've just been calling each other "Guy" for the last two weeks because we <laughs> don't even know who we are anymore, right, Guy? <laughs> oh my god! So they they mangled. T- introduces like the whole cast, and he talks about like this movie then they kind of hand the mic over to spielberg which that was even surreal because it's like oh my god spielberg's there you know that was like a weird thing for me because i've watched so many like interviews and documentaries with steven spielberg and it it was just weird like seeing him in real life and hearing his voice come out of like his head and it was just like oh my god he's that's really that's he's really there and he's gonna talk to us about indiana jones and george lucas does nothing like spielberg's just like you know we wouldn't be here without the man who like came up with the character george lucas and he just like waves to the crowd just lifts up his hand and waves (laughs) so good classic um (laughs) but what's funny is before i think like we sat down like in the like the five minutes maybe we had to sit down before the movie started. You said to me, you know, who's not here, John Williams. And I was, and I said to you, yeah, but yeah, yeah. He's 90, 91, you know, he gets a pass. Yeah. He's tired. He's resting. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't have to, he's, he's done enough. He doesn't have to be here. And then Spielberg is talking about, you know, the, the George Lucas and Harrison Ford and all the key ingredients to that, went into creating the character of indiana jones and then he's like and none of us would be here without the person that i think gave indiana jones every rhythm every something the maestro john williams and literally the screen behind them lifts up you've probably seen the videos on youtube and there's john williams with a full orchestra and it's extra crazy because it's like this has happened so many times now with Star Wars Celebrations and things like you think we would be ready for it, it but it, it gets you every time. <laughs> and it was like, wait, what? Really? Oh, my God. I got to say, too, it was extra, extra special this time because the sound system at the Dolby Theater is so good that it literally we were like up in the balcony and it sounded like we were like sitting in the middle of the orchestra, like it was that crystal clear. It, it sounded like I was listening to it on headphones. It was just amazing. And the crowd goes insane. He opens up with The Adventures of Mutt, which took me a minute because at first I was just like, wait, 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 wait. I, it was so much going on that like my brain was literally shorting out. And then when it got into like the main part, I said, I think I grabbed your arm. And I was like, this is, this is Mutt's theme. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> and again, are, are, are we dead? I think we might be dead. He's, uh, he's playing Mutt's theme, which is one of my favorite pieces of Indiana Jones music ever. I love Mutt's theme. I was like, what? what is what what is happening and he's conducting the heck out of the orchestra too like there's cameras everywhere and there's screens showing it and yeah like he said the orchestra sounded amazing and then that ends and he goes into the the helena's theme from dial destiny which is very nice and he's talking about like how he talked to James Mangold about coming up with Hel- Helena's theme and what they wanted. You know, he didn't just play the tunes; like he was doing, like he was talking in between the songs and stuff.
2: Uh, we have a little tradition with Indiana Jones, which is that Indy has his music, and we in all the various moods that he has and his action scenes and comedy, so many modes and varieties of his music. It's always there. The other part of the tradition is that we usually have a theme for the heroine of the leading lady. In this film, we have Phoebe Baller-Bridge, who is... are going to see the most brilliant duet between Harrison and Phoebe, as they do their wonderful witty dialogue and their action and their comedy and their jeopardy and all the wonderful things that they do so brilliantly. And Jim Mangold said to me at the beginning of this work on the film, he said, "John." You have to write a great theme for Phoebe and Phoebe will be represented musically by a kind of lyrical piece reminiscent of the the 40s and 50s, old Hollywood. What an opportunity and I'd love to play play, you now the theme. Phoebe is a character called Helena or Helena in the film. This is (laughs) Helena's theme. This is really all about Phoebe. Not all parts of her, but a lot of it. This is a lyrical presentation
0: of Helena Steen. Well, and he was being really sweet too, of talking about the the orchestra and how he wanted people to realize that you know the music doesn't just come from nowhere. That's you know there's people that make this music, and and he was really proud of having the the people who recorded the score for the movie being on stage and playing it for us.
2: Thank you very much. This is a joy, a joy to be with you today with our orchestra. I love it because you will hear the orchestra all through this marvelous movie tonight. You will hear their brilliant playing. Each one is a great virtuoso in their own right. And you can see them here today and discover that they're actually people.
0: It's a huge part of these movies. It's true. Like the score. Like it's like Spielberg said, it's just as important as you know, George Lucas coming up with it or the way Harrison Ford plays Indiana Jones. It's and then finally he ended with the Raiders March, which brought us right into watching the movie. Like what an introduction to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Is there any better way to get ready to watch that movie? I don't think there is. Like, how how could it have been better? I, you know, no, there's no way. And like, you know, after the movie, we got to hang out with everybody some more, and we got food again, and we hung out, yeah, pretty late with everybody, which is just great. Got to just chit chat with tons of different people, and really amazing. Well, and that was the thing and, you know, kind of another, you know, mini celebration feeling was, you know, regardless of even if we didn't see the movie, just the whole day and hanging out with everybody and kind of sharing the insanity with people that we consider friends. Like, just that was a blast on its own, you know, with the added cherry on top of a brand new Indiana Jones movie. And, you know, we, we of course thank lucasfilm so much for inviting us and for the opportunity to do this we're so incredibly grateful so honored so freaked out like are you sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah was that a mistake but no like but in seriously yeah we we're we're so grateful to them and but the the real thing though is that wouldn't have happened without you folks listening really when it comes down to it you folks the listeners of blast points you're the reason that something like this happened because if people didn't listen to the show and if we didn't have some of the coolest listeners out there which i feel like we do some of the the greatest people you know if if you folks weren't so passionate about how much you folks love the show this wouldn't have happened and we like in the end it's like when we started this podcast like when Gabe and I were walking down Hollywood Boulevard, I said to him like the, the text or phone call I did back in December, 2015, like if I started a star Wars podcast, do you think you'd want to do it with me? Cause I think if you and I did together, it could be really good because honestly, like it took me back to that. Like, you know, this is, we could retire now. This is it. Like (laughs) we've reached this point, but it, it all comes down to the fact that you, you folks listening are so great. And, Yeah, If you're listening to this right now, just know how much we appreciate you and all the support that you you folks have given us. You're the reason that we keep doing this is that, you know, we're so happy that that people listen to this nonsense and enjoy it. So, yeah, thank you so much for sticking with us for so long. (laughs) Or if you're a new listener, thank you for uh, giving it a shot because, yeah, it's been great.
1: It. Hang on! Give 'em hell, Indiana Jones!
2: Yeah. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, PG-13.
0: Tickets on sale now. Okay, so here we go. Let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny once again. Spoiler warning, if you've made it this far, if you're like about 45 minutes, almost an hour into this episode and you haven't watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, stop listening now, come back later. So overall, like I said last week in our Young Indie episode, I loved it. Yeah, I did too. Like, you know, you've heard me talk about Crystal Skull and how it kind of took me a little while to warm up to it. I didn't feel that way at all with this one like I was into it right from the right from the first second that it started and you know I'm so looking forward to watching it again to kind of really get to absorb it but yeah it was a lot of fun and it was yeah surprisingly emotional like it's maybe the most emotional indie movie I mean that's kind of the point I think with this one was to really take kind of what Last Crusade did and kind of ramp it up with an with an older indie and kind of what does that mean to the character to to be an older Indiana Jones and kind of building off of Crystal Skull, which is for us super exciting that it, you know, it could have been those kind of sequels where it's like, oh, we're just gonna kinda pretend Crystal Skull didn't happen because people complain about that one. But this movie couldn't exist without Crystal Skull, which is kind of amazing on its own we've had like over a week to kind of sit on it you, you know and I, I feel like in the past like i know i'm guilty of this where like a new star wars movie my it my in my first instinct is always I, I love it and then with some star wars movies and just movies overall over over time i calm down a little bit and i start to really think about it and maybe some of the things that in my excitement I overlooked on my first pass start to show a little bit more. And it's been kind of nice just watching it once in that insane atmosphere, like we talked about in the beginning of this episode, and then having kind of going back home and getting back to normal life and kind of calming down, getting some sleep, and still thinking about Dial Destiny, like, Like we said, like it was all a dream. Like, did that really happen? But then thinking about the movie and just having that time to kind of let some of the themes and some of what I think James Mangold was trying to do with this Indiana Jones movie come through a little bit more. And, you know, like this is the spoiler talk. My biggest fear with Indiana Jones 5 was how they were, yeah, like you said, how they were going to handle. The crystal skull stuff how they were going to handle mutt specifically because we all knew shia would not be in the movie and there's either two ways you do that either he's just like off doing something and you just don't see him and like you know mutts at work or something he can't be here or he's dead i was almost kind of hoping for the first option because you know i was worried that like killing off mutt would be handled wrong or done in like a tasteless way. Like we said before, like, you know, we're going to find Jar Jar's bones in the desert or something. But the, the fact that Dial of Destiny was able to make Mutt's death, the emotional center of the movie, the whole core of why indiana jones is the way he is in this movie and why he's doing what he's doing in this movie i loved and i thought it was done so well so with such with such class and intelligence and then having that be the emotional center of the movie like i said and then putting all the indiana jones dressing on top of it all the all the action And all the fun and all the hijinks and all the stuff and all the puzzles and mystery and Nazis and chases and stuff. All the things that you expect from an Indiana Jones movie. But yeah, having way more emotional, like real raw emotion than any indie movie before. And and that's that's like what I've been thinking about for the past week and a half. And that's kind of what has me thinking more and more that I really loved this movie. Yeah, because that's the thing is like when you have a movie like Crystal Skull that kind of ends with a happy ending, there's always that, you know, initial reaction to, oh, they kind of they kind of ruin the happy ending. It's not a happy ending anymore. But by having Mutt not be alive anymore, I mean, that's the whole reason for this movie to exist. And yeah, that gives the movie its kind of emotional center. And there's still the chance that they're kind of they just do that to kind of cheat and, and and make you, you know, feel like something big has happened with the character. But the fact that they actually follow through on it and make it, they handle it so well to where it, it doesn't feel like just a cheap trick to make, to add some drama to the fifth movie, you know, like, oh, they didn't just kill him just to shake things up. Like it is actually woven through the whole movie, the kind of the whole reason the movie exists, the whole reason Indy's who he is at this part in his life. And it really makes the end pay off because i think that was another thing It's like how are they going to end this movie what's karen allen's role going to be you know is marion even in the movie are they divorced is she dead and just the way they handled kind of starting with the heartbreak of mutt being gone just makes the ending so much sweeter and and again you know this movie and we'll get into it is the craziest indiana jones movie Of them all, when it gets crazy, it's crazier than Crystal Skull. It's crazier than Interdimensional Beings. But the fact that the core of the story being Indy and Marion kind of dealing with the grief of losing Mutt really allows them to to pull it all together at the end in a way that, yeah, kind of I think took everyone by surprise just kind of how emotional the last few minutes are. And, and, yeah, Indy and Marion's divorce where right away... Early in the movie, you see the divorce papers, you know, and you, you kind of start to put it together what is going on with Indy. It's it's a very small thing, but when they right after the flashback and the or the the opening adventure scene, when they show a wall in Indy's little apartment, and you see a picture of his dad, and next to it is there's mut in like a military dress uniform, and there's some scattered stuff from henry jones's old house below it and it's kind of like indy's little wall of memories of people that he's lost and, and 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 that was my thing too that kind of going into it where i was like well we kind of had that before in crystal skull where indy started that movie kind of feeling alone and kind of what's his what's his point what's his use anymore and marcus is dead dad's dead was say You know, life keeps taking things away from him. And then, kind of, the mutt kind of coming in kind of brings him back into adventure and then meeting Marion again. And I was a little worried that five would kind of repeat those beats again, or maybe five would have the attitude of like, well, that was good, but we're going to do it better. But it doesn't. It, like I said, it, in a way, it's similar, but it, like, it does it so well. I don't know. It doesn't undo anything that Crystal Skull did, I guess, is what I'm uh, what I'm saying. I I never felt like it was like betraying like our love for that movie. If if anything, like you said, it's Crystal Skull Part Two. It's not as absurd as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, kind of. It's not as like Looney Tunes as that movie is in every beautiful way. It's more of like the Raiders Last Crusade kind of serious take, if you want to say that, on Indiana Jones. Yeah, because it's I mean, that's. The way I, for me, I think, to, to describe the movie is it's like it's The Last Crusade to Crystal Skull, where, you know, Raiders was Raiders and Last Crusade kind of took Raiders and, and brought in his father and, and actually added this emotional kind of character story to just the action of Raiders. This movie is that for Crystal Skull. It takes where Crystal Skull ended and characters from Crystal Skull and, and kind of makes it more emotional and kind of really makes it all about relationships and in the character of Indiana Jones more so than just a fun uh, adventure movie and and that was yeah the thing i think that kind of caught everyone off guard a little bit was just how the moments it decides to just be about emotion just how intense they were and and just how much it does add to the just kind of the overall story and and makes sense where you know it's about 70 80 year old indiana jones which you know is kind of crazy on its own but then you know it really digs into that like what's it like to be indiana jones when you're old and and have your you know life behind you and all those triumphs and regrets and kind of you know where does that leave you and and what do you want to do with the rest of your life kind of a thing And it's not something I think I would have expected from an Indiana Jones story. But now that I've seen it, like, yeah, it's kind of the perfect way to kind of end the story with the character. And, you know, and it reminds me a lot of The Last Jedi and the way Ryan Johnson treated Luke in that movie, which was very controversial, still is for some people. And, you know, we're recording this before the movie has come out, like, and audiences have really seen it. But I can kind of feel like maybe that could be a thing with a certain audience. And I, at least I feel like we like that with these characters. That, you know, Ryan Johnson said something after the movie, After Last Jedi came out, where if you're going to tell a story, you have to treat your characters like characters. You cannot treat them like action figures on the shelf that you put on your shelf and you sit and look at how cool they are and remember the good times that you watched this movie when you were eight years old or something. Like if you really want to do these characters justice, you've got to tell a story with these characters and characters have to have journeys. Especially when you're dealing with a character who you're following kind of throughout their life. Like if 80 year old Indiana Jones was the same as temple of doom, Indiana Jones, like that just seems, how is that the case? Right. It's been like 40 years between those movies, like things, things have to change or it's, It's not going to be interesting and it's not going to be, I guess, believable. Not that, you know, these movies have to be realistic, but as far as if you're alive that long, things are going to be different. And this really embraces that and kind of makes it the core of the story. I I think of the scene with Indiana Jones on the boat where he finally talks about Mutt and what happened to Mutt and how he... Joined the military just to piss off Indiana Jones and how Indiana Jones warned him what would happen. And that's exactly what did happen. And Ford's performance in that scene is so good. The camera's just right on his face. That's the only thing we're watching in that moment. It's the best, I think, acting or performance wise, Harrison Ford's ever given as Indiana Jones. Like, he really gets to sink his teeth into who is indiana jones at 80 years old and yeah like you said the regret that he has and he's living in a world in the 1960s where he's just like that kooky old man that's <laughs> yelling for the kids to turn down the beatles you know it's in a you know it's it's like 10 years away from you know is it canon is it not who cares but old man eye patch indiana jones <laughs> Dropping a hamburger in a mailbox and stuff, yeah. you know. Who knows? That's that's not where probably where this is going. But I don't. I I really liked that. I liked that that was the Indiana Jones that we had in this movie. And I love, I I love the boldness of Dial of Destiny to have the end scene be this quiet, tender moment with Indy and Marion, where you know they easily could have done like, and Indiana Jones saved the world one more time. And the, you know, the president gives Indiana Jones a medal for being the greatest hero to ever exist in mankind or something. And he rides off into the sunset again and, you know, out comes cameos from Short Round and everyone who's ever been in everything. But the movie took it really small and gave us this beautiful, beautiful moment with Karen Allen and Harrison Ford and John Williams' music. And that's it. And I thought it was perfect. I loved it. It was a beautiful, beautiful scene. And I love that maybe that is our send off to Indiana Jones. Well, it's like he's basically spent his whole life, you know, searching for treasure and adventure and, and fortune and glory. And really, you know, the only treasure he ever, he really needed to find was marion who he found way back in in raiders and now you know after everything they've been through kind of them finding each other again and and kind of realizing that that's you know that's all he needed and it's it's right there and and them yeah kind of reconciling is yeah not at all what i would have expected being the ending but it's i can't imagine anything other than that right now like it's it's a perfect ending to the story it's like he found he finally found what he was looking for and I love that they, they hint at that in in the flashback in the beginning when the Nazis have all of his gear and in his gear with his whip and his hat is a little photo of Marion that he's going off and he takes a photo of Marion with him in 1944. And, and, and yeah, the whole thing where, you know, when him and Helena are on that beach or that shore in ancient Greek, Greece or wherever they are with Archimedes and he's like – there's nothing for me to go back to there's, I want to stay here. Like I don't want to go back to my present. And it literally takes a punch from Helena, which is like what, you know, Marion did to Indy at the bar in Raiders to kind of realize that, no, they're, you know, sure. You're sad. Sure. You're down, but there's life out there for you. There's someone out there who needs you and you need them. If that's what Mangold is trying to say with with Dial of Destiny, you know, even if you're 80 years old, I love it. I, you know, it's these are the things I've been thinking more and more about in the time that I've seen it, and it's just like, God, what a what a great movie! <laughs> yeah, well, and it's also the thing too of you know, Indy's spent all these movies, you know, f- fighting right. He's fighting the Nazis and he's fighting for treasure and he's fighting for adventure, but. In this movie, in the end, it's like he's he's kind of fighting depression, and it's like fighting an internal thing, and 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 it kind of telling you that that's just as important to to fight that as much as anything. Like you know, don't don't give up because you're feeling down, right? Like try to fight through that too, as much as you would fight a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> it's 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 just as worth fighting for. Your happiness is just as worth fighting for. And there's going to be people that reject that. There's going to be people that just want... I just want an Indiana Jones movie to be... Like, they just want it to be a cartoon of him. You know, they want Temple of Doom all over again or something. Yeah. Whatever, you know? But I'm sure that's going to be coming out more and more. But James... I love, too, that James Mangold made his own movie. Where it's a movie that obviously honors what Steven Spielberg and George Lucas did before. But he... Took it in his own direction, too, which is bold. I mean, there was a thing even when he was announced as the director, like, how do you follow four movies from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas? How does anyone do that? And good for him for kind of just charging his own way with it and making it his own. Well, and I think you could bring that up, too, for the big surprise with what, what does the Dial of Destiny do and the fact that, you know, it does time travel and this is an indie movie that has time travel in it. And is that too crazy for an indie movie? And it's fun to see that he went that bold because there was so much, you know, complaining like, well, aliens don't make sense for Indiana Jones, because you know, Indiana Jones is is a serious movie because it has, you know, magic, or not magic, but you know, ghosts and, and mystical biblical stuff. But, you know, aliens is too far fetched. But he kind of went all, all in on, you know, time travel, which is really the most kind of outrageous thing you can do because it's like it's crazier than religious artifacts and it's kind of crazier than aliens and and in science artifacts or something like it's just it really kind of makes it's something that really only works kind of at a fantasy level because it's very hard for time travel to come across as i guess realistic but i think it works so well in the movie because the movie's kind of all about you can't change the past like that's not how life works that's not how you move forward and the fact that you know the dial being a kind of time travel thing and about a villain who wants to change the past is so much a part of what Indy's journey and and his character arc is about that it it really works more so than than something that on its own might seem more like an, an indie artifact for him to be going after and I think that was, yeah, kind of a bold move of like, I'm just going to go nuts with this because it fits the story I'm trying to tell more so than it's just a cool artifact for Indy to be hunting after. Well, it, and it's the thing with every Indiana Jones movie that it's it's n- every single one of them, even Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull, it's not the artifact, it's what that artifact means. The people that, oh, Indiana Jones doesn't even matter in Raiders of the Lost Ark because he, he does blah, blah, blah. That's not the point of the movie. Like, that's kind of the point that like it's it's the journey. And in Temple of Doom, it's you know, he starts Temple of Doom looking for fortune and glory, and then in the end finds something more and sees like what it does to, to to the village, to the to the kids and the families. Last Crusade is not about the Grail; it's about illumination and him repairing the relationship with his father. Crystal Skull you know, actor city of gold, gold's translation is knowledge. Like, you know, but it is really kind of the, 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 the uh, last crusade style of it where, you know, in last crusade, it's, it's not really about eternal life. It's about taking advantage of, you know, the life you have. And this is kind of the same sort of thing. Like, it's not about regrets and, and changing the past because you've made mistakes. It's about moving forward and making the best of where you are. And in a way, then it's like if you look at it that way, like kind of us talking about it here, it's almost like Dial Destiny is almost like Indiana Jones's greatest hits, but just played louder. <laughs> yeah, it's played so loud it'll wake up the old the old professor that lives next door. <laughs> and he's gonna hit you with a baseball bat. So let's talk about we briefly talked about it a little bit. Let's talk about the opening scene. Let's talk about 1944, all this business with Indy young, kind of post Last Crusade, Indy on the train with Basil Shaw going after the, the 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 spear, the the lance of whatever I can't remember what it was called. Everybody's going to be talking about this. Everybody already is talking about it. The de aging, the younger Harrison Ford. What what did you think of all of it? I thought it looked really good. It's it's not. Perfect, but it looks good, and it's you know it's one of those things. People, there's going to be people who complain about it, but it's like that concept of like de aging people. It's here to stay. It's been happening. What since the the Marvel movies had done it, you know, Mandalorian has done it. We had Tarkin in Rogue One. Like it's we're always going to have this, but it looked really really good. I feel like maybe sometimes Indy's voice was weird. Because it was older Harrison Ford on younger Harrison Ford's face. But for the most part, I think it worked really well. And it kind of, to me, any parts where maybe it doesn't feel 100% real works because this is kind of like, because it's a flashback and it's almost like, it's a dream in a way because it's almost like Indy's remembering the past that I think it, you know, artistically you can have some. Some leeway there, where this is kind of you know it's, it's, it can be impressionistic because it is flashing back to the past and kind of you know a memory of something that Indy did that informs the rest of the movie because it's fun. It's a fun sequence. Yeah, it's, it's it's a great opening and like right away when they took the the bag off his head, I was like, okay, this looks good. It looks great. This is like maybe the best I've ever seen. Like the Book of Boba of Luke was pretty darn good, but it wasn't. Like, we saw the movie, like, Dolby Vision Atmos on this giant, giant screen at the Dolby Theater. And I was like, this looks fine. And there was, like, one part where he's, like, trying to get the noose off his neck. And he's, like, swinging around as stuff is exploding around him. And it's really busy. And there were some parts in there where I caught myself, like, looking for flaws in it. Which I think we your brain just automatically does. It's like when Luke should not the book of Boba one, but when Luke showed up at the end of Mandalorian season two, because you know, that's not what Mark Hamill looks like. You look for flaws. That's not, or Tarkin or something like Peter Cushing's not around anymore. So how did they do that? That's not right. And you're just like, you- you're looking for flaws. And like, we, like I said before, when I went to go see rogue one with my daughter, who had no idea that Peter Cushing had been dead for years and years and years, and she had seen a new hope. She thought it was just the actor from a new hope was back. Didn't even think that it wasn't real. So you know, you you look for things. You look for things that don't seem believable or something. Or like, and everyone wants to be like, oh, the de aging didn't work, and de aging's not good, and de aging's bad, and blah, blah blah blah. Just don't. Just have fun. Just enjoy the scene. Don't think about it. Like it's it's fine and i it's like it's like 90s harrison ford it's like the fugitive era or like clear and present danger patriot games harrison ford like this is like the indiana jones movie in the 90s that we never got so just enjoy just have fun with it don't just try to shut that analytical brain part of your brain off and enjoy the opening of the movie And it's a fun sequence. It's a, it's, you know, it's the beginning of Indiana Jones movie. It's some action. It's some adventure. It's some humor. Some of the most grisly people dying in an indie movie, like people getting like run over by cars and like the violence and and action. I mean, like the seem a little more intense than, than maybe the older movies, but you know, I think it's just the way things are now. Like when people, you know are getting shot and stuff like it's it's pretty intense but it's a it's a cool the whole thing on the train where they like break the anti-air gun and it's like shooting at the train while it turns the corner and like just a lot of just fun indiana jones style uh gags with the with the action is is really great as well like it just feels like a yeah like a fun little 20 minute indiana jones adventure to kind of get you warmed up yeah, that's the thing with this movie overall. I love how it has zero problems just killing Nazis. Just like, we're going to kill Nazis. We're going to kill a lot of Nazis in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Indiana Jones version of Inglorious Bastards. Like, they're just not holding back on killing Nazis. And I guess that if, if I had one thing about the movie, I wish that, like, the CIA person in the beginning, I wish she didn't die. I wish Antonio Banderas didn't die. Like there's a lot of there's a, a lot of people getting killed off, like you said in this movie. And he, like Antonio Banderas, I was kind of like, oh man, like he seemed like I was kind of like, wow, what's his story? Like he's an old friend of Indies that's like a ship captain. This is some adventure we never saw. This is really neat. And he's got like this crew of people, and he's the best diver. So Indiana Jones has been diving before, and then it's like he's he's killed off. And I was kind of like, oh man. Yeah. Well, if anything, it, it, it's that felt like this even kind of digging more into you know indiana jones being inspired by james bond because i mean that's what happens in the bond movies it's like everybody that helps bond always ends up getting killed like it, it really had that bond that bond movie feel of like oh, oh don't help james bond because you're gonna end up dead and too it made the the main bad mads mickelson his main nazi bad guy even more evil and his henchmen because it's like man they'll kill anybody they don't even care yeah well we didn't talk about that too like mads is a is a really interesting kind of you know indiana jones villain he's kind of similar to he's like what a scientist version of belloc maybe where he's you know he's he's not necessarily he's a scientist like he worked for the nazis but you know he was all about science and you know he's another kind of evil version of of indiana jones he's a he's a I don't know. He has his henchmen that do all the bad stuff, but um, I don't know. He's a nasty guy, though. You you know, it's it's the whole thing. It's like, oh, we're going to do Nazis again. We're bringing back the Nazis for five, and the Nazis are the bad guys. And it's like, okay, it's been done twice before, but I like kind of like the whole thing with the Nazis in 1969 where they're just hiding in plain sight. And it was kind of confusing in the beginning, like, well, wait, who's this CIA person? Like, why is this CIA? Like, we know they're Nazis because we saw him in the flashback in the beginning. We know he's up to no good. But why is, like, the U.S. government working with the Nazis? But they don't know. Like, he's being interviewed on the news and he's about to meet the president and he has a different name. But we don't know what he's really doing. The government does know or at least some of the government knows that he was a Nazi, but they're okay with it because he's helping the Americans with their space program with rockets and and, and missiles and that sort of thing. So it's it's kind of that, you know, the gray area of, well, you were a Nazi, but we need your knowledge. So we're going to, you know, pretend like that didn't happen. It's like what we saw in The Mandalorian with the rehabilitation program with Dr. Pershing and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I wanna, and his henchmen, too, are all, like, well, at least the one guy is, like, sh- shut and gab, but he's, like, reading how to learn German and stuff, and he's, like, all ready to put on a Nazi uniform at the end when they think they're going back in time. And I love his whole mission where I'm going back to, like, stop Hitler because Hitler made mistakes, and I'm going to do the Nazis, but I'm going to do them right. And it's like, that's kind of wild. Yeah. It's like, you're like a super Nazi. You're like, Hitler wasn't Nazi enough for you. It's like, man, you're like the the evilest of the evil. But I I think, again, that's almost back to where he feels almost more like a Bond villain. Like, you know, that was kind of the cool thing with Mangold, like really kind of embracing Indiana Jones is James Bond in a way. Because this does, you know, like I was saying, other than it being Indiana Jones, if anything, yeah, this might the most Bond feeling of the Indiana Jones movies and really digging into that that influence. Well, let's talk about uh, the other supporting character in all this, Helena Shaw, our other new big character in this. I thought she was wonderful. I thought Phoebe Waller-Bridge was great. She was like an Indiana Jones sidekick that kind of like we haven't really seen before. Well, she was almost like Willie Scott, but the opposite, where she was loud and in your face and giving Indy a hard time, but she could do everything that Indy could do as opposed to being loud and in your face because she didn't want to do everything that Indy could do. So it was kind of an interesting uh or, you know, I guess maybe even a mix of uh the inverse of Willie Scott plus Marion of just not giving Indy an inch on anything and giving him a hard time and kind of matching him, you know, beat for beat of if Indy can do it, she can do it. And, you know, she's not 70 years old, so she's not cutting them any slack. And I did like, in the beginning, it kind of reminded me of Mac again in the beginning where she's kind of switching sides back and forth. Like, is is she, is she with Indy? Is she working against, is she just doing her own thing? But then eventually, yeah, she comes around and kind of sees what the big picture is and, She sees Indy for who he is at that time, but also knows of his past. Yeah. Well, because we find out that she's, you know, as the daughter of Basil. Basil, that she has known Indy her whole life and was kind of, you know, they were fond of each other when she was young. So there is, you know, some history there and a little bit of father-daughter relationship with him as her godfather. Yeah, which we get that second crazy flashback right smack dab in the middle of the movie with like what is pre Crystal Skull? I think we figured out kind of early nineteen fifties indie, which is crazy. Yeah, in a movie full of some crazy stuff, that that might be the the wildest part of like, oh wow, because yeah, we all knew about the the nineteen forty four version of indie, but this kind of younger than Crystal Skull, older than Last Crusade, Professor Indie arguing with. Uh, basil about the dial of destiny was just that was really unexpected and cool and then there's the kid whose name i cannot remember i liked him a lot too i thought he was fun super great and i love him just at the end stealing the plane and the dude waking up in the plane and everything just just hijinks well and his little fuzzy mustache it was like i'm glad they just went all in like he's a little. He's a little preteen kid. He's going to have a fuzz stash, and we're just going to we're just going to do it up. Right, let's talk a little bit about the action in the movie because that is a key part of Indiana Jones movies. There's, I think, well, besides the the big opening in 1944, the the first big action sequence is the parade. There's the the car chase in there. There's underwater action it's good stuff i mean the indian horse is was a lot of fun and uh, there's a lot of good gags in there with him riding the horse through the city and through the subway having an action scene in a parade with just all the the confetti and stuff everywhere just had had such a cool look to it and yeah i think the the car chase thing with the uh the cars and the little uh tuk-tuk motorcycles whatever they call them that was a really really fun action scene with you know the action was exciting and it was just mixed in with all the, the banter and everything between Helena and the the little boy and Indy and, and the guy chasing them is Helena's ex-boyfriend or fiance. And it just, you know, it just had a lot of layers of fun to it. I think that's the key part of all the action scenes. Like even the eels underwater and (laughs) it was all just when, when the movie knew when to embrace that indiana jones level of fun it really did it and i think those moments soar i mean indiana jones rides a horse into a subway into a new york subway and he's running through with like like protesters in like the 1960s you know i've loved all of that because it's it's like this is like every indiana jones movie it's embracing the time it's set in whether you know it's the, the the old films with you know, World War II and like the 1930s to Crystal Skull opening up with Elvis and just the character of Mutt in general. I like that we've had two movies now set away from like World War II era. Well, and look at young Indy too. Like, we, Well, no, we have three because Temple of Doom was pre-World War II. Yeah. Very 1930s. Yeah. And again, look at young Indy too, with embracing like that turn of the century and like World War One and all that stuff. But it really is like what you had said earlier, now that we're talking about this, how much this movie really was like a greatest hits of all the other movies where, you know, even just thinking about the the, the motorcycle car chase where it's like some of the, the banter with them kind of feels like Temple of Doom where it was a lot more, you know, kind of wisecracking slapstick kind of humor mixed in with the action. And we're kind of getting that here, but mixed in with, you know, the kind of intensity of the of the tank chase or the or the truck chase, you know, in, in uh Last Crusade or or Raiders. Like it 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 really was like a, a kind of a mix of of just the tone and and the way all the everything played out in all the other movies. Yeah. I mean I think of Last Crusade when they're in the motorcycle chase and that and indy looks over at his dad and his dad check his checks his watch you know like his dad is thoroughly unimpressed or even in raiders and the truck chase when the guy falls on the hood and indy and the german guy turn and look at each other and then go back to fighting it's it's little things like that that i feel like james mangold really got with this movie like yeah and I, I will say it's a silly joke, but the you know the snakes gag. There's no snakes in this movie, but there's the eels, and what the the kid or Helena's is like. They they're kind of like snakes, and Indy's like, no, they're not. <laughs> Probably the <laughs> funniest line in the whole movie. And again, Harrison Ford, his best performances. Indy, he gets like the funniest moment. Yeah, that I thought that was really clever, really really well done. But yeah, let's talk about the big ending let's talk about the big action sequence let's talk about when the the dial goes up to 11 let's talk about archimedes the big action scene at the end it's the it's it's going to be the other thing that everyone's talking about with of destiny because this is this is where either people are going to be like i'm all in or people will check out with this ending well, and before we get, we should jump back to, you know, at the beginning of the movie when we're first introduced to Helena and we see Indy, you know, teaching at uh, whatever big city college he's teaching at for like five kids in the class. And it's like, he's, you know, not the professor he used to be. He is talking about Archimedes and, you know, the, the I forgot what the battle of, but when the Greeks were like trying to take him out and you know archimedes supposedly had all his his technology and all this stuff like we got a little taste of of this legend of archimedes uh, at the beginning and now at the end because of a uh miscalculation by uh mads Mikkelsen's character they didn't travel through time back to world war ii they traveled back in time what two thousand years to the battle with uh archimedes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's wild. I think after we were done and we were like at the restaurant eating dinner, I was just like, I don't know if it's crazier than Crystal Skull. It is. <laughs> it is because that's what I was trying to say earlier. I feel like there's like, if if you get into religious artifacts, like there's people who really believe in that stuff uh, very strongly, and if you get into, you know, extraterrestrials, things that you know scientifically theoretically could be real there's people who are really believe into that stuff right so there's kind of a you know there's some group of people who who really believe that that could be real uh there's other people that don't but it's kind of like well i know other people you know believe that's real so there's something to that but when i think when you get to time travel time travel is such a almost no one believes it could be real kind of a thing if that makes sense it's like way more in the realm of, it's like almost everybody will agree that that's fantasy. So it just feels very much more very fictional. And with Indiana Jones, you know, especially going with young Indiana Jones, like really being steeped in, in real history, there is something very outrageous about getting into time travel, which is like the complete opposite of history. But in a fictional way, it's, a story device to actually revisit history, so it kind of makes sense as an Indiana Jones thing, right? Because Indiana Jones is all about history, and as a professor, he's all about history, and here he's getting to actually relive history. So maybe it's not as crazy. That's what I'm getting to? I don't know. <laughs> like we said, too the the movies are never about the thing; they're they're about what the thing means. And like we, this is Indy going actually into the past. You know, I even think that's a way like what we said too, of like people even watching this movie, like Indiana Jones is a, a hero from the past. Like literally like in the story and in real life. Like this is this is a 80s movie series that people loved. And mean something to them. And if you're buying a ticket and you're going to see Indiana Jones, it's almost like you're stepping into the past. You're reliving like the, the 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 great memories you had with Indiana Jones in the past. And it's well, and the character of Indiana Jones, even if you were watching him when he was a new movie character in the 80s, is a character from the 1930s and 40s, right? So he was a character from the past who was always from the even further past. And it it's what all of this says that it's like even with the the battle at the end with Archimedes and everything, it's great, but you can't stay there. You can't, you know, like there, you can't live in the past, you know. And you can't change the past. It's it's set, you know, you can't like like Mads Mickelson's character and stuff, it's not gonna work. I was just really into all of that, and I was into what this movie was saying at the end. And I was like, this is outrageous. This is quite the ending here for this movie. But like we said, too, it's not the real ending. Because the real ending is, this, is the, the present at that in, in, you know, in the 1960s with Indian and Marion. And Karen Allen, who completely steals the entire movie in her brief scene. That's the real ending. That's the real emotional beat, final beat of the movie. And the indie movies are all wild. They all end crazy. And this kept the crazy ending going. There was a few minutes there where I was like, he's just going to stay in the past. Like, that's how they're going to end this. Like, Indiana Jones just went back in time and he's going to die a happy man talking to Archimedes. I was kind of really kind of surprised when when Helena's like, no, no, you're coming back and she punches him in the face. Because I think you kind of feel for Indy for a, sec- for a little bit where you're like, yeah, you know, maybe he deserves some some peace and just let him stay and, and uh, enjoy his time in the past. But it makes sense that, no, he can't stay because changing the past is, is a fantasy. And in the movie kind of, it's neat how the movie, like in the movie, he really goes to the past, but us watching the movie, know that you can't really go in the past and change the past. And then Indy, even though he in the movie is really in the past, you know, eventually learns that no, I can't really change the past, and the in the only way to get through this is to just you know, you got to move forward, and and things change, times change, life changes, and you just gotta do the best you can and and move forward, and that's what we get. He wakes up, and and I do like that because there is that point in the movie where you're kind of like is this really happening? You know, is it a dream? Like did did, did Indy get knocked out in the plane and we're going to find out this was all just, you know, a dream, but there is like one of the, was it like the spear from, there was like something from the past they brought back with them. Yeah. In the plane. Yeah. One, one of the spears that went into the plane. Yeah. was there. So yeah, there was like something where you're like, Oh no, no, that was real. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't asleep. Overall, Dal Destiny really enjoyed it really 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 enjoyed it i can't wait to hear what other people think when everyone can go see it because like we said we've just been kind of sitting on it for a couple weeks but i think it's a great indiana jones movie when it was a bizarre experience but i think even if if the movie didn't work for me i think i would be able to know it by now you know but i yeah with with even with all the craziness of that day but We've been talking about this for a while now, and I think I'm pretty confident that I really enjoy the movie. Well, no, if anything, I almost feel like the day leading up to it was so much fun and so insane. If anything, I feel like that made it even harder on the movie to live up to the day leading up to it, right? Like, I feel like the movie could have been like, uh the day was incredible but the movie just didn't live up to the day like the day kind of overhyped the movie and if anything the fact that the movie kind of lived up to the day (laughs) is a is a testament to it just being a solid yeah it's a solid indiana jones movie like is it is it better than the the original three probably not but what can be right like how do you i mean the movie says that you can't change the past the past happened right the best you can do is kind of move forward and that's what this movie does it's like you know harrison ford is not the harrison ford of the 80s he's the he is harrison ford in the 80s because he's now 80 and this is a it's just if i had to watch a movie about old indiana jones like this is a great way to do it it's good stuff
1: I had, the reason I wanted to do another Indiana Jones film was because I was uh, of my current age. I wanted to see Indiana Jones as an older man. I wanted to see him dealing with the loss of his youth, dealing with the loss of his vigor, dealing with the fact that he's teaching, teaching archaeology to people that give given rat's ass about what he's talking about in the past. Their interest, the men are on the moon, man. It, the, there's rock and roll music playing in the streets. There's a, a civil rights uh, 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 movement under place. There's a women's movement under place. There's a youth movement. There's psychedelic drugs and all that kind of stuff. And he's man. What the? Uh, he's uh, he's lost. Yeah. He's, his his marriage is in disarray. Uh, you'll learn later. But it, but what I wanted from the cut from it's a hard cut from 1944. To 1969, I wanted to express character. I wanted you to feel that he was um, not the Indiana Jones you knew and and wonder why and want to know more. Yeah. So I wanted, first of all, the reason I wanted to be uh, um, in my underwear was because I wanted to... to be vulnerable to look vulnerable. Mm-hmm. The reason I was sitting in the chair with my back to the camera is because I had a glass, an empty glass, in my hand. Oh well, it's a sign. We know what that means, so yeah. yeah. And then, and then the rock and roll music. Well, they paid a million dollars for that rock and roll music. That was pretty you know, iconic music. That brought us right back, right to that space. Yes. And then there's a beautiful little comic scene about being uh, crazy about the. About the with the with the neighbor who's playing loud music again, but it's so beautifully written, it's genius, and and it, and and I I I'm there with my shirt off because I'm I'm I, I've been recovering from some kind of orthopedic uh, injury. Oh yeah, I tore. My my right shoulder uh, at the beginning of the movie, and so I was wow, in shit shape, man. I I looked like worse than I've ever looked in my life, and I hope so, yeah. because that's what I thought I was expressing. And I'm walking, and now people say, "Oh, he looks pretty good."
0: <laughs> okay, here we go. Folks, this is the final installment of our collaboration with Nerd Matters where we're giving out Indiana Jones pins, stickers from Nerd Matters where people are sending in them saying lines from an Indiana Jones movie not said by Indiana Jones. This is the final one. Here's one from Justin. Let's hear Justin's submission here. Hey, Jason and Gabe. This is uh, Justin. As you know, some of my previous submissions have always been music related, I have brought you such classics as Going to a Rogue One Party and Day-Tripping Jedi. So for my submission, I had to think of something that is music-related to Indiana Jones, but also relevant to Indiana Jones. (laughs) Um, So let's see if I can pull this off. I am the monarch of the sea. I am the ruler. (gasps) Bad dates. There you go. Pretty good. That's wonderful. Thank you, Justin. Oh, my God. I know we're doing this right now, but we forgot to talk about Sala in the movie. It's so good. Yeah, another short and sweet addition to the movie. But, the, yeah, the little bits with Sala and his grandkids are super, super cute and super, super sweet. I love in the end when he comes into Indy's apartment and he's recalling the moment in Raiders when the when the, the giant flying wing blew up. It's, yeah. It's the, yeah. Yeah, so, so thank you. In addition, yeah, thank you for reminding us about Salas. so we we didn't forget. Okay, here's our next one from Stephanie.
2: Hey, blast points! This is Stephanie calling with my entry for the Indiana Jones
0: quotes not spoken by Indiana Jones blast points contest. So, um, just to preface this, uh, this quote. My sister, Allison, was like, well, what quote are you going to send in? And I said this, and she just started laughing. She said, what? Really? That's what you thought of? So um, that's, that's just a little preview for what I came up with. <clears throat>
2: Bad dates. All right. Bye, guys. Happy Indie Month.
0: <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm sensing a theme this week. <laughs> it's like we might have forgot about Salah, but no one else did. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Our next one is from Max. Let's hear what Max has to say.
1: Hi, Jason. Hi, Gabe. This is Max. My favorite quotable line from any
0: Indiana Jones movie is from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And this is it. There might be a slight inconvenience as you will be riding on a cargo full of live (laughs) poetry. Said to Indiana Jones by R. Weber, played by none other than as I'm sure everybody knows, Dan Aykroyd in a hilarious cameo. Uh, anyway, that's it. Love the podcast. You guys are great. Thanks. Bye. That's. I don't think I've ever actually heard the words that came out of his mouth. They're so quiet. So thank you. Goodness, aren't you Willie Scott? Yeah. That part I always hear. So, wow, oh, man. Mm. Now, this one's really interesting. This one is from Andy, and he sent in a video clip. So we're just going to have to just play the audio here. But he took an interesting way of doing this where it's a line not spoken by Indy, but spoken as Indy. And he sent in video in a purely audio format. We can't show it, but you can, you can imagine. Yeah. Here we go. I was happy in Shanghai. I had a little house with a garden. All my friends were rich. We went to parties all the time in limousines. I hate being outside. I'm a singer. <clears throat> I could lose my voice. <laughs> it's it's very, very creative. Very, uh, very good. <laughs> okay, next one. Brandon. Now I am become death. The
1: destroyer of worlds. You recognize those words? It was your own Dr. Oppenheimer after he created the atomic bomb.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, little Crystal Skull there. Well, I'm very timely with the, you know. Surprise. There's a, there's a movie coming out. But thank you, Brandon, for our first ever Crystal Skull, right? That was our first one ever. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Okay. So here's one from Brad. It's in the belly of that steel beast. Wonderful, wonderful. Beatrice, Doctor Jones. Again, we see there is nothing you can possess which
1: I cannot take away.
0: So you got that, got that Belloc, just that Belloc sleaze there. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. Hey, blast points. This is Ryan. I'm a new listener. Been loving the indie episodes. Hard to pick just one, but here's my line reading from Raiders. we've got some information here, but we can't make anything out of it, and maybe you can. Tennis Development Proceeding. Acquire Headpiece. Staff of Ra. Abner Ravenwood, US. I don't know, I really like that one. Yeah, no, I I agree, yeah. Excellent choice. The competition is thick this week. Thick. I know. Okay, here's Tim hey jones boys this is tim and i've got to go with the proto indie you lost today kid but it doesn't mean you have to like it good good uh in a way skirting the rules like it's not indie but it kind of is indie so clever okay here is michael michael also sent in video so again we're just gonna we're just gonna have to pretend here indiana indiana Let it go. That's, that's We got to describe the video too. He's got a grill. looks like the shop Disney grill and he's like reaching for it over a couch cushion. So yeah. Yeah. That was really good. That was really good. You need a subwoofer to listen to that clip. <laughs> deep, deep, deep. Here's our last one from Nathan. Those people are trying to kill us. It's a new experience for me. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Gabe, Got a lot there. What where how are you leaning? Oh man. I'm torn between Indiana Indiana and the uh reading the telegram from the Nazis. Oh where are you at, Jason? I don't know. It's a tough one this week. I vote Ryan with the telegram from the Nazis. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Ryan, you are the final winner. In our indie month nerd matter contest. Congratulations, Ryan. But again, everyone that submitted, you're all winners because you're all amazing. <laughs> you're all winning at life by just being amazing people. Yeah, it's it's so hard to pick, but thank you all so much for sending all those in. Everyone this week, everyone every week. Thank you all so much much and to close things out we are going to play from a listener craig his his five-year-old son walker came up with lyrics for the indiana jones theme and this is wonderful this is our final thing we're doing here so everyone enjoy walker and his beautiful indie lyrics
2: Indiana Indiana Jones, Indiana Indiana Jones. Indiana Indiana Jones. Indiana 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 With this, we will have our victory. You stole it. Then you stole it. Yeah, in there! Indy Jones and the Dial of it's it's indiana jones a large size action figure
0: that boulder's coming in
2: fast he's new from kenner's raiders of the lost ark collection
0: stay low indiana
2: they're right behind you use your whip whoa i'm slipping oh, oh a snake pit get me out of here snap indiana jones a large size action figure from raiders of the lost ark collection new from kenner
0: to the podcast reviews when you get done listening to this you should go over there and write something nice about blast points about this episode about any episode so more people can find the show when they look up star wars podcast indie podcast whatever it is and if you listen on spotify you should leave a five-star review over there too and make sure you check out our website blastpointspodcast.com, where it's the easiest way if you want to search for back episodes other indie episodes anything you can think of and make sure you're following us on social media on Instagram on Twitter on Facebook and if you're on Facebook make sure you're a member of the super chill group and if you want to support the show in a different way we got the blast points army on patreon where we owe everyone some stuff on there and we'll be getting to that very soon promise we'll get back to our Mandalorian commentaries and we'll get back to we'll do a last crusade commentary on there but if you are a member of the Blast Points Army on Patreon. Thank you so much for your support, and we promise more stuff is coming on there very, very soon. And if you can find the two of us sitting next to each other on an airplane, you can get an extra special episode of us probably talking about RoboCop for way too long and too loud, so keep, keep an eye out for that. When you're flying on planes, maybe we'll be there. But that wraps up number 364. A pretty epic Dial of Destiny episode talking about the premiere and the movie and yeah what a ride seriously but no episode next week it's going to be the fourth of july we're going to take a break we've been pretty busy so we will be back that tuesday the week after the fourth of july with we're we're going to move the old furniture back into the house and we're going back to star wars i think we still like star wars right (laughs) what what's star Wars? yeah what even is that? I don't know. Do some research, figure out what Star Wars is. So we got to give yeah, give it about a week and get back into Star Wars mode and yeah put everything back where it was. So until then everyone, thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to you very soon. Bye bye. and Indiana
2: and the Jones Indiana Indiana Jones Indiana and the Jones and the Indiana Jones Indiana Indiana the Indiana Indiana Jones Indiana and the Jones Indiana Indiana Jones Indiana Indiana Indiana, Jones. Indiana, Indiana, Jones. Indiana. Indiana, Indiana, Jones. Indiana. Indiana
0: Jones. Walking out of Dial Destiny, that was all of us.
2: <laughs> Henry Jones Jr.